0: Hello and welcome back to Welcome to The Mentors welcome with Sergey to... and Vadim Revzin. Sergey and Vadim Revzin, get it right. If you don't, actually, we won't care. We won't care. Um, but we are The Mentors, and uh, this is a show where we provide insights into how entrepreneurs get businesses off the ground. And um, hopefully, we'll Try to help people overcome some of the inevitable obstacles that come along the way, but especially in the earlier stages. Uh, We have here with us today, Olga Nesterova. We're very excited to have her. Vadim's going to tell you a little bit about her. Olga is, first of all, awesome. We just spent, uh, we knew her for... Oh,
1: thank you. (laughs) We're just
0: saying that, but... uh, She is. We've known her for quite some time. Uh, it's been awesome to get a chance to reconnect a little bit here right before the show started. But Olga is a multiple world champion in ballroom and Latin dance. She's also founder of the ProAm Dance Team. Uh, is it proam, P R O A M, dance Is that correct? Yep. Cool. Uh, and actually, ProAm Dance Team is a super unique dance company that offers an opportunity for students of all levels and ages to perform in the NBA and WNBA halftime shows. Holy Christmas. Uh, I wish I could do that, but um,
1: you can. Yeah, we just said all levels, all ages. Hold on, my hips
0: do lie, unlike yours, so oh. um, they're just oh. not. Yeah, it's no, just not William's hips are the best. <laughs> uh, so, Prom Dance Team uh, has teams in New York City, Washington, D.C., Miami, which is also known as Miami, uh, and the company's planning to expand into even more uh, sports and cities, and actually. Recently, Prome Dance Team was the first dance company to perform at an NHL game just a few weeks ago. Uh, rocking Is an animation show at... New York Islanders at the Barclays Center. Yes, and Olga actually insisted on doing this entire show while in a full split. Olga, that does not look very comfortable. It hurts. I, mean, I will be switching it? legs, okay. so that's okay. that's you know that's starting
1: with the left. That's, that's a true good.
0: professional, right there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> always working, always stretching. That's
1: great. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited, and honestly, I've been listening to your few um, episodes and the voices, guys. <laughs> what's up with the voices? Those are <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> Good ear, thank you. Yeah, you know, see, how see how we're ego. starting, you know? That's you awesome. Why
0: you're a good entrepreneur, you know how to stroke an ego. That's yeah. great. We'll do oh. anything for you now. Oh, <laughs>
1: oh, 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 oh. But, you know, finally you have a guest who sounds Russian. Well, you know. Because yeah, you
0: don't. Well, actually, we, we, we came here when we were eight, so we're poser Russians, uh, okay. Belarusians, technically. But you know five languages, so you, your accent is a mix. Yeah, of yeah like I Five know. languages? Did I get that
1: right? Six. S- Six. Six languages. Six. Yeah, I am really surprised you don't
0: have, you have a, a fantastic accent in English. You can
1: barely tell. I came here in 2010 and I honestly didn't even speak English that well. Hmm. Wow. I was studying in English in Holland and, um, you know, I could order food in English. But then I remember I came to Times Square and I asked a cop to, um, how to get somewhere. Because I came here December 31st at 10 p.m. and went to Times Square to watch the ball drop. Oh, terrible idea, first of all. (laughs) Right? So I'll never do that again. But I asked him where to go and he answered something and I was like, oh my God, holy Christmas. I don't understand English. Wow. And then I listened and I watched Friends and friends. Ellen DeGeneres yes. show.
0: Love it. That's how we learned too. Not so much from Ellen, but no. Oprah but was more friends. of ours. Yeah. yeah. Hmm.
1: Oh, well, I had some aha moments, but, <laughs> you know, um, th- that's how I pretty much learned English. That explains it, but, you know.
0: So only seven years ago, eight? Seven. It's 2018, I already forgot. But yeah, that's yeah. incredible. So Especially you're... when you, if you're going, like we came here, we were nine, so I feel like we kind of cheated. It's easy to pick up a language when you're young, but when okay. you're a little bit older.
1: Six but I, I mean that's when I went to Germany when I was thirteen and that's how I picked German. So I people say I speak German without accent. I don't know how it is like now because I haven't spoken for ten years or something I'm like sure that. I'm sure that's good. Yeah, that's <laughs> <sehr> good. <laughs> <Spending> <laughs> German. German is, is See impressive. we didn't plan on that, but it just happened. <laughs>
0: you uh so you went to Germany when you were thirteen, but Being from Eastern Europe, it's notoriously difficult to get out of Eastern Europe if you live there. It's not just you can get visa, get papers, and you're out the door. It takes years. Sometimes people can never leave. We were lucky enough with our family that we left with a political refugee status. It took probably six months. We were able to get out. Uh, But how did you initially, how were you able to leave Ukraine when you were such such a young girl?
1: So first of all, I started dancing when I was five. I hated it because Mm. I I had to dance with a boy, and I didn't want to dance with a boy. I just wanted to beat him up. But
0: boys are gross, so mm, that's understandable.
1: Yeah, so kind of my parents pushed me into it, and I started having fun when I started winning things. Mm. So um, when I was 13, I was national champion in in Ukraine. So um, then somebody from Germany, I don't even know who, saw me, and they invited me to go there and join their national sports team, which I did, and my parents flew with me there and we found a dance partner and that's how I remained there. So my mom was back and forth taking care of me. And cause I was little 13. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, so I stayed there for nine years and whatever I won was in Germany for Germany. And, um, that that's pretty much was the reason and the way to get out. Wow, and it was, was it was a, a good dance way.
0: company that that found you, and then did they take care of all your visa issues? Essentially, is that what happened?
1: Um, they have it's a different structure in Europe, so they have um, dance studios, and um, if uh, you are good enough to be in the national sports team, which only involves six couples from all Germany, then the national sports team will take care of the visas and stuff like that. But obviously, you have to renew it and you have to be good enough to stay on top of the game
0: but you said you hated dance when you first started off mainly because of the boys
1: mm, i just you know i was very like i'm an introvert i still am really? with some extrovert qualities mm-hmm. yeah well you know i wanted to sit at home and read harry potter that's all i wanted
0: so that's basically what we did but no. not harry potter no. we just watched bugs bunny and
1: other no cartoons. <laughs> so, I mean, either. So that's, that's you know. So for me to go dance and be among people and do something and dance with a boy and listen to instruction, it was a bit too much. But um, I'm kind of, I'm very glad, actually, that my parents pushed me to do that. And that was the key and also the way to get out of Ukraine in a good way. And uh, no judgment for people who live there. And um, all respect. But for me to get to Germany to be among people who didn't speak my language or neither I did speak theirs and to learn German and to go to school and kind of learn to manage myself. You know, when you're 13, you actually don't think about what life involves. <laughs> like you have to do the groceries, go to school, um, cook, clean, go to competitions, uh, train seven hours a day every day. So it was an interesting kind of like very fast development as opposed to usual teenagers
0: no i noticed that a lot with people that end up um becoming entrepreneurs self-starters and sort of persevering through the difficulty of the process is a lot of times and this is by the way no means by no means a requirement to succeed but um when they're younger they're typically thrown into a situation where they just have to figure things out themselves and kind of be adults yeah. earlier yeah. than yeah. They should you get be. to be very disciplined to train seven hours a day as a teenager
1: uh, yeah yeah. I mean, you know, name it, claim it, figure it out. That's pretty much the, uh, the rule everywhere with anything you do. But especially in sports, you have to be consistent with what you do. And if you keep winning, that's great. But what if you lose? You still have to be on top of it. And dancing is also different because you dance with a dance partner. So you have two personalities working together. If it's two teenagers, you know, I had dance partners who suddenly start falling in love and having girlfriends. And I'm like, no, come to practice. (laughs) Um... So then it's time to say goodbye and pick another partner. You know, like you have to... uh, It's a team. It's a little teamwork. And the smaller the team, the um, more difficult it is to work together because you're dealing literally with the personality. And then when we had to travel, we had, I think, like 38 out of Germany championships a year, which is a lot of weekends spent together on planes and hotels and stuff like that. So when parents didn't travel with us anymore I mean when we were 18 19 um, then you're literally working with the person next to you so
0: did you uh, you know you're a teenager you're practicing so much you clearly have a bit of a competitive edge to you because you discovered your love for winning Mm -hmm. pretty early on but did you already know as a teenager that this is what you want to do with the rest of your life? That Did you even realize that it could be a career? I, I know Eastern European parents probably pushed you toward more scholarly type <laughs> yes. of subjects, right? Yes.
1: Yes. Well, my family is, um, my dad comes from business side, so he always had companies. And my mom comes from an academic uh Family, So her dad is professor. So this was um, kind of like an interesting mix. So I could probably choose both sides. But honestly, when I stopped competing, when I was, um, I think, 22, 23, I hated dancing at that point. I said, oh, my God, I've been doing that forever. I haven't been to any birthday, to any party, to anything. I couldn't socialize. I just hated. I want to study and I want to do something else with my life. Um, because also physically it's very difficult to practice every day to be on top of it. And, uh, I looked around and I looked at all those instructors who would go, um, become judges and then party and then, you know, some have connections and do all that. It wasn't my world. So I wanted to get out. I wanted to study. I wanted to do something different. Um, and I went to Holland and I started studying international business. So after being there for two years, uh, they said, oh, you're best student, this and that. Um, Do you want to do a double degree? And then they gave me a bunch of countries to choose from. Germany, back... Paris, like there was some France, Paris or something like that England and I thought let's choose U.S. because it's the furthest and it freaked my mom out so I was like <laughs> that's great let's do that you just like to um, ruffle
0: feathers already
1: yeah right so um so I went to U.S. and I first arrived as I said in New York and we spent um me and a couple of other students we spent four days here and I was like oh great U.S. is amazing and then we took plates Playing to Charlotte or I think Asheville, North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah, so it was January 4th. And we arrived there, and I'm like, "Whoa, oh, oh, that is United States, okay." So it was very different. I was a culture shock, and um, I studied there, and I kind of couldn't really connect to anybody at school, or pretty much not many because I was older. I was already 22; everybody was 16, 17, 18, like kind of like getting into the drinking game. I was already past all that, so um, I got bored, and I got two more majors so
0: um, that's what you do when you get bored you just pick up majors
1: yeah I ended up having like 80 hours of like lessons a week pretty much so it was my excuse not to socialize I think (laughs) but um, so I added uh, international uh, business law and uh, politics and you're
0: not dancing at this point no just academics
1: exactly so I haven't done anything with dance for three almost four years at that point I was teaching a little bit of dance at at university, just something like a social circle, something, whatever, Um, but not much. And I didn't want to do anything with that. So even like to the fact that when I was competing, I had to have long hair and all that. And then once I stopped, I was like, I'm going to chop it off. (laughs) I'm not going to have it at all. So I ended up with a pixie haircut. um, I'm sure it looked wonderful. Oh, yeah, with my round face, is great. It's a full moon without any (laughs) circles. So, yeah, and I went through, like, a couple of um, hair colors too. So, I haven't done anything with dance, and I really wanted to work at United Nations.
0: Wow. That's very different. And by the way, just to take a step back, at this point, you had already attained a little bit of success in dance, right? You've had some... You've won some competitions. You've maybe even had some At that point, I yet.
1: won world championships already. Wow. I won everything. Yeah.
0: So you essentially got to the top, so to speak, or a lot yeah. of people would say that in the dance world, that is definitely the top. And then you decided, you know what? I invested... 15 years of my life into this let's let's shift gears good
1: counting and by the way she has a dance
0: company now so we're gonna get to eventually how you came (laughs) back to it but okay you decided you have a new goal i want to work in the un
1: yes so and then studying business and law it kind of doesn't lead you to un so i added political science to my major um graduated in um Carolina, also in Holland, and then I moved to New York, and I started with an internship at United Nations at the Mission of Ukraine. Um, That was the way to get into it. Worked myself up pretty fast, ended up working at the Security Council with wars and all that stuff, so it was intense. And long story short, that's where I recognized I don't belong there because...
0: What was it about it that made you feel like you don't belong? This is, by the way, very common a uh, common trait among entrepreneurs. They try to follow advice of parents, of friends, take a normal job. For some, inex- sometimes inexplicable reason, realize that they hate it and they need to change. What was it about it that made you realize you hated it?
1: It's just the concept that the higher you climb or the more important your position gets, the less you can do. Hmm. And you have to evaluate each word that you're saying. You have to be super careful what you say, who do you talk to? What are you doing? How do you look? What What is your facial expressions? So it, it wasn't my world. It was very difficult also to deal with wars, to see death as a statistics. And um, I know there was one day when I ended up crying and um, one general, we, we worked with generals, he came to me and he said, you know what, you'd get passed through it. It won't bother you. And at that moment I realized, I'm so scared of that day where it won't bother me, wow. and that was pretty much the day where I decided to get out. Wow!
0: And how many years were you in the UN at this point with the uh, internship two, and now? Two, two and a half. Yeah. That's really fast uh, progression. Yeah. Um. It's funny you mentioned that. Sort of the the higher up you got, the more scrutinized you were, the more careful you were with uh, the words you had to say. It's why we started this podcast is so we can say whatever the hell we want. But we, awesome. also, <laughs> we, we also have a similar, um, and a lot of people, I think as Sergei touched on, um, get to a point where it's like, we don't want authority. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. Even if that means years of potential failure, it's worth it mm-hmm. because at least we get to make our own decisions, which is a pretty big deal and probably a lot of incentive to actually get out there and dive deep and say, you know what, it might suck for a while. But who cares?
1: And, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I mean, you you look at people in the office, in the organization, five years ahead of you, 10 years ahead of you, 20 years ahead of you. And if you don't see yourself in their shoes or don't want to be like them, then why are you there? Right?
1: Yeah. But you know, there's two types of people. Those who see work as a job, then nine to five is fine. Um, and others who see your work as a career. And we need both. I mean, we need leaders and we need followers. We need people who will execute some sort of orders in the best sense of the word. Um, And we need leaders who will lead them and tell them and guide them what to do and how. So we need both. And then the most important part is when you realize who, which part do you belong to? Are you, do you want to work nine to five and have some freedom? and go out and socialize and do things? Or do you really want to put all your years and all your time into developing something that will be there when you're gone,
0: so. And uh, by the way, sometimes you have to do both. Yes. And a lot of times you have to do both at the same time. Mm. Uh, so now let's, let's take a step back. You're at the UN. Um, you clearly had some kind of turning point after this conversation with the general. Which is crazy yeah, to, me to say right. when you were talking about <laughs> wars and whatever. Um, and what happened next? I mean, did you just quit, or what was sort of your next step in saying, "Okay, I need a change"?
1: Well, at UN, you need to after working there a couple of years, you need to rotate and you have to go to another countries, uh, usually underdeveloped countries. If you worked at US in US, and I wanted to choose a country to live in. Because at that point I lived in Germany, I lived in Holland, I lived in North Carolina, now I'm in New York. So I wanted to settle pretty much. And that also includes putting your documents down, I mean like applying for green card and stuff like that. So I wanted to stay here and I was looking for a job at that moment. So I started working at a dance studio and I realized that the dance game in United States is very different. It's very pro-am oriented, where teachers are dancing with students and charging a lot of money to dance with them, competing. Um, so it it always, older students with the younger instructors, usually guys with older women, um, sometimes vice versa. But it wasn't, in my st- uh, teaching style or style of teaching was that I wanted to Uh, make the class very interesting for students and also for me because I think if it's if I'm bored teaching the students are bored taking that class and I know that the managers would come to me and say can you please slow down because we want them to sign up for 40 hours of class you need to stretch out the material you need to do this and I'm like what the hell what is this I you know what, what kind of stuff am I getting into And that was actually the day, almost the day, where I got a phone call from the manager of Madison Square Garden. Wow. And he says, well, I saw your website. I mean, I did some sort of website like three, four years ago when I was still like into dancing. He's like, well, um, I saw you multiple world champion. I want your team to perform at halftime. Hmm. That's crazy. So I'm like, oh, halftime what? (laughs) (laughs) halftime basketball oh great okay when should that be in two weeks like oh that's great like um what kind of show yeah we want three minutes we want your team to perform i said okay great let's do it i didn't have a team (laughs) and i had two weeks so i went randomly to dance classes dance studios got random people together we're 38 people
0: 38 people. Yes, how, how, you couples. You two weeks... How did you get 38 people? Like did you just go the next day to 50? Same, day. <laughs> Same wow. day.
1: Same day I went to the studio where I worked. I talked to everybody. We had people from 13 years old to 65 plus and I just said we didn't even have time to get costumes or anything together. So I said just get some white dress and we pair you up and there were 19 couples and I got another instructor to dance with me. So we were kind of like leading and then a couple of other instructors. So um, I taught them for free every day for four hours, mm-hmm. every night after work, um, rented the studio, uh, we worked through it and we had an amazing show. And then I ended up having 38 students wow. and they said, what's next? And I was <laughs> like, um, I guess I need to register my company because <laughs> now I have to start charging. Um, so, and that was the beginning. That was, um, I started officially, uh, preparing for the show, I think June 6th. 2014, Mm -hmm. and I know you were at the show.
0: I was at the show um, for a few reasons. One, I love dance. Actually, Sergey and I (laughs) used to, a lot of people don't know that, but we took ballet when we were little boys. So we want to see pictures. Um, Maybe Mm -hmm. we'll post pictures.
1: Probably not.
0: I mean, no, we will. I don't care. If Great there are no pictures,
1: pictures didn't happen. <laughs> there are some pictures. We're wearing we look,
0: short shorts on them, and we look fabulous. We, look, we do look fabulous. Um, but uh, no, I was also, as you know, Olga, dating a contemporary dance and ballet dancer at the time who was in your dance company, right? Was yes. she part of the first 38 or not? Yes. 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 See, I didn't really even know these details. Um, and uh, I do know that she took salsa classes with you, right? Or was it? No, not Salsa. Latin. 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 Yeah. I took salsa classes with her. She roped me into it. Although now I can do. On one and on two. We danced, salsa. Yeah. We danced right before this episode. <laughs> great. But I was at the first show, and I would have never guessed that you put that together in two weeks. And by the way, you obviously have to choreograph it. How long yeah. did it take you to come up with the choreography?
1: Well, um, as I said, I had a couple of other instructors with me, but we chose the music. There were two songs that we put together. It was a cha-cha and a salsa, and it w- I just go with the flow you know you have people standing there you have to and i had to learn up front what does it mean to choreograph first of all a show for 38 people second with uh, dancers that are not professional dancers um and then there was a third stage where they all got scared and said oh my god tomorrow's the show i might not show up and i'm like what (laughs) so uh, then comes all that psychology or something that, that that part to the training so it's not just choreography not just training it's also a little bit babysitting a little bit of uh, you know helping with hair and makeup and dress and everything so that was kind of like my fast introduction into this sort of business
0: yeah wow yeah. and and uh so you get this this one contract to dance uh, at a halftime show for New York Knicks is it? Um, I imagine. No,
1: no, no. first was, was WNBA, it oh, was Mystics. Uh, no, Mystics, okay. okay. wait, Liberty. Liberty, Liberty. Sorry.
0: And uh for- oh, yeah, those women are tall and wondrous, and are yeah. The games were the game was just as entertaining to watch, but yeah. then the halftime show. How did you? am did you? <laughs> All right, buddy. <everybody>. Sorry. <laughs> uh, did you negotiate that contract? Did they pretty much just say this is what we're paying and and? Uh, Take it or leave it. How did you even know how to structure the deal?
1: Well, it was not even with the Medicine Square Garden. The other part of the deal was television because we were broadcasted. So um, they said, send us a video of your training a week in. So I did send the video and they said, oh, you're actually not synchronized. That might not even happen. And I had to put my foot down and I said, listen, you know what? you want us to perform or not? if I told you and I promised you that it will be synchronized, it will be synchronized. And, um, I might've used some different words. Um, I'm a world champion, damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Also some other words. Yeah. So they let us perform, which was an amazing thing to do, um, for us and for the company itself. So uh, there were a lot of things. And I remember that we got the video and everybody left the video of the show, the official, I think ABC or something like that. Um, and then the same MSG manager called me and he said, you know what, when you perform next time, just be careful, um, you need to rotate, because people complained why they needed to see somebody's butt for three minutes. <laughs> so then I was like, oh, Arena is 360, right, we need to be rotating. <laughs> so let's put that on the agenda for the next time. So we performed there, and I had students, and I started, um, first of all, the company that is now is was completely different than 2014, because mm-hmm. I had to you know, try out first things. So we started with different groups. Uh, We started four groups. One was in Salsa, and I hired instructors in Salsa. And the other one was Latin and Ballroom. That's what I was teaching. Then we also had Hustle, also with another instructor. Um, Kind of started too early dealing with hiring employees because I didn't really know Um, what to expect, what do I want from them. So I pretty much said, well, teach a class the way you teach it, make sure people love it. And then you get into the issues where you cannot micromanage everything because you just don't have the time for it. And then people, it kind of derailed. So bottom line is that we started with, let's say, 20, 25 people in each group. By the end of the quarter, which was, let's say, December 31st, 2014, we ended up with 35 people in my class and three, four people in other classes. Mm -hmm. That was exactly the time when I learned, well, nobody will love your business as much as you do. It's your baby. So if you you put the energy into it, and if you want other employees to bring, I mean, do their best and do something what you expect them to do, you have to phrase it and you have to really write down the rules so they can follow it, so you can be really open-minded and say, do your best, and let's hope, because you're investing in it, it's your time, it's your money, it's your name, it's your everything, so it's your responsibility, pretty much, so then I had to sit down and say, well, what do I want from my employees, let's quit having those groups, let's have me first, let's hire some other instructors to do something what I do, so I can kind of like teach them how to teach pretty much Latin and ballroom and overtake some classes and then I can expand the company and work on it and not just for it. Um, and then came winter and I thought well you know what I like LeBron James he plays for <laughs> Miami let's open the team in Miami. Wow. Flew to Miami. Um,
0: Without any meeting set up scheduled I, ahead of time? or you No just I mean there?
1: I haven't even been to Miami mm-hmm. at that point. Wow. I haven't been anywhere in the U.S. Cause I just worked, um, flew to Miami, had an intro class, um, advertised it like social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, and that stuff. So 2015, January, 2015, we had the first intro in Miami. We had 30 people there. They got excited. We started the team and then I ended up flying to Miami every week to teach and prepare the team.
0: Wow and and you so you found a space in miami you rented it from from someone i imagine and yeah. and got students through social media
1: yeah so i found a space on um google pretty much mm-hmm. it was a dance studio that i could afford um rented it out would fly back and forth to teach and uh you know, collect money and do that <laughs> got to collect the money. You, you have to. I mean, you have to sponsor it. Um, it was more time and money investment than it was gain at that point because I'm just starting and um, you have higher costs. I mean, you have to fly. You have to stay in a hotel. You have to figure things out. So they had eight weeks to prepare. We performed at the Miami Heat game. And then the Miami Heat management said, do you want to do playoffs? Whoa. Yeah. So, which was great. And I said, yeah, Sure. And I didn't know that playoffs have a little, you know, some interesting f- facts to them. <laughs> you don't know when you perform, That's and right. they will tell you 24 hours in advance.
0: Wow. I would have never even thought but that. How did you, even before you got the playoff gig, how did you get to perform for the Miami Heat? You had a dance company that had a presence in Miami, but how how did you actually... It's all a different organization, right? How did you get in touch with them? Or did you get in touch? Did they get in touch? What happened?
1: Um, Well, we first were in New York, and then when I had the thought to expand to Miami, I contacted Miami Heat.
0: Who did you contact?
1: Um first secretary of secretary of secretary <laughs> then i looked on linkedin got connected to the managers of sales and entertainment and then you get to the person you really need to talk to mm-hmm. um, and our connection with maybe heat is awesome um, they're very helpful it's um the manager is from new jersey so <laughs> he's very up uh, upbeat person so We got that started, and uh, by that time, we already ordered costumes and did all that. Um, So it was great. Um, And then the playoffs came, and they said, you all have to be dressed in white. So I said, hey, who's on board? But we don't know when we perform, what time, what day. It's just going to happen. So we ordered new white costumes. We're preparing. And then I remember I was sitting on my luggage in New York, and at 1.30 a.m., they called and said, you're performing in two days. Wow. So I flew in the morning. got 1.30 a.m.? Yes.
0: They called you or texted you or emailed you or what? I'm just curious. Um, I
1: texted. Texted. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Because, you know, you don't really want to. Nobody was FaceTiming at 1.30 a.m., yeah, yeah, yeah. to say the least. So they called me and then I had to get the group together and we, you know, rocked it out. So it was cool. It was an interesting experience. Wow. Um,
0: that's unreal. Before we before move on, I just want to take a step back and unpackage some of the things that you've said because they've been really interesting. First of all. For those of you guys that are wondering, wow, could I do something like this? What are some takeaways when you were starting off? Um, when you found out initially that you got the Madison Square Garden gig, you worked your butt off uh, to get people. You recruited them. You offered probably over 80 hours of um, uh, free training. Free training. She offered 80 hours of free training and, by the way, additional value, which is the opportunity to perform at an NBA or WNBA halftime show in front of a bunch of people, which is a huge deal for any dancer.
1: 20,000 um, people, yeah, wow. and television. So And you know. television.
0: So you're offering value with free lessons, opportunity to perform, um, and then there's no, it's a no-brainer that after that um, performance, all 38 probably said, Oh, yeah. What's the next step? Where do you sign up? So you had no uh, revenue coming in from them specifically early on. You probably did from the gig, but not from the students. And all of a sudden, you have a business with 38 students. I bet any, somebody, anybody that wants to start a dance company and they think, how am I going to get 38 students? It would take forever. And that yeah. would be difficult in and of itself. So you have to offer value early on. And something else that you mentioned was growing a little bit too fast and hiring people right away without having processes. And this is a lot of startups, a lot of entrepreneurs get into the same problem. They think, oh, you know what? I can't do a certain aspect of my job or I'm not good at it. I'm just going to hire away my pain and and hopefully somebody else will solve the problem. We're all about finding people that complement your skills. But especially early on, you have to figure out your own process. If you're the CEO and you're building some kind of software or whatever it is, you have to figure out who the customer is and how you're going to sell to them before you hire somebody and, and have them do it. Because most likely they'll do it wrong the wrong way since it's your baby, as you said yourself. Yeah. At, at what point, Olga, did you realize that this isn't just a one-off thing and this can be a business that uh, employs me and other people in perpetuity? I mean, this can make a living for myself. How, how did you come to that conclusion? Because you weren't... Uh, as I understand, this is your first business too, right? You were yes. never really a business yes. owner before.. No, that. No. How did you realize that at what point?
1: Well, it was um, there were a few things. First of all, I realized that I don't want to work in the dance environment that is here. Um, and even though I won the titles in the dance sport and it's a dance sport association, it's worldwide. I didn't want to be part of it. It wasn't my thing. It was very political. It is still. Um, it looks great, has a lot of f- facts to it, and I don't want to be part of it because people get hurt. You have when politi- I mean, Politics came come in. I don't want to explain to my students why they didn't win just because somebody's daddy was the sponsor or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, first of all, students to... Um, and and the, on the other hand, um, you have the pro-am industry here in the U.S. What where is pro-am? Pro-am is professional dancing with the amateur. Okay. So you have the teachers dancing with students. And just to have a little insight, um, the student is paying up to up to I mean it's on average hundred sixty dollars for forty five minutes class. Wow. And about two hundred dollars per dance on the competition, and they do about thirty to sixty dances. So imagine the cost for a person, amateur person, um, someone who is adult, who doesn't have the time to evolve and become professional, but wants to perform right now and feel some sort of validated and try to pursue a dream that they never had the chance to pursue before. Imagine the cost they have to invest in it. So my idea was to offer professional dance training for a reasonable price and give the opportunity to perform. And the opportunity, as you said, to perform in our case is unique because you're dancing in front of 20,000 people. What dance competition would offer you that? Mm -hmm. Plus you're on national television. So, and you have professional dance costumes that, you know, in our case, people pay 30, 40 bucks for, as opposed to four or $5,000 if you do pro-am dancing, Just because we have the contracts and we have a team and have a good relationship with people who make dresses and companies and sponsors on that level. So that was my idea to kind of have a little revolution in terms of dance world to offer, again, professional training for less money with a lot of exposure. And then now it became more uh, motivational thing, because we have, for instance, our group in D.C., um, we had um, 30, 28, 30 people, and they are lawyers, doctors, nurses, people who work for military, so people come in from very different backgrounds, and they uh, want to experience that, they want to stand in the middle of the arena, they want people to watch them and feel like a star, pretty much, and like one lady was saying, oh my god, I was going through divorce, and this pro-am dance training was something that kept me through Wow. and help me to deal with that um so now it becomes actually more than what i thought it would be i was thinking about the dance training and performing now it's more kind of it gives people feeling like the feeling of uh, validation you know and what, like what
0: a clear by the way differentiator now um amongst all the other options that people had to accomplish the same thing and I'm sure if they even tried to take a, uh, a dance class with somebody that's professional and spent all the money and then you come in and say, hey, not only will this be more cost effective, you'll be able to attain your goals and you'll have an immediate audience. Why w- I would want to sign up.
1: Yeah, and it's goal-oriented training, right? So you're not just uh, following training to do something, just to, to do it. Um, you have a goal. So, you know, you will be performing in front of the audience. And even if you don't feel like training or following some sort of a diet or look looking a certain way, um, you will do it because, you know, you have a day when you have to be, you know, on point in front of
0: 20,000 people. So exactly. So you saw an opportunity in the pro and professional amateur dance um, industry to sort of flip it on its head, make it cheaper, but give people more exposure, which is really cool. That's what gave you the confidence to start a business. But a lot of people, when they're first starting out, they get paralyzed by the things they don't know. Like, they don't know how they should incorporate. They don't know how they create a business structure. They don't know how they should pay their employees. There's so many unknowns. How did you overcome the fear from those unknowns? Or, or was it just not something that
1: scared you? It didn't, just because I wanted to do it so much. And because we performed, and I got the kick out of it. Just to be, you know, honest about it, I got the kick out of it, and I saw it in our students, my students' eyes, that they understood what it was about. They had this light, kind of like, coming up, and they they realized what it means to be a performer. And um, it's adrenaline, you know, that's something that people truly enjoy. Um, So, in that sense. I started doing few things I started uh, I mean I built a company from the day one registration where I had to google how to register a company in New York City oh you need to pay for some weird newspaper advertisements because you register LLC okay great why all right so let's do that um, then I build a website I tried to do WordPress. I didn't understand how that works. I tried to do Wix. Then it worked better because I could pull and do things, you know, like exactly drag it and put it (laughs) so I didn't have to learn code or anything of that matter. Um, Wix,
0: feel free to reach out and pay for a sponsorship. This is not free. (laughs) Exactly. So
1: um, then putting, you know... the web page uh, together and the Facebook page and Instagram and Twitter and then manage all that because just to create it is one thing, but you got to be on point and you have to kind of like keep it rolling. Um, so I did everything.
0: And even you mentioned you created these social accounts. And by the way, I know that you have a big following on on your social ins- uh, social media accounts, um, something like 20,000 uh, followers is it, on Twitter. pro has
1: 10,000 okay. and I have 28.7.
0: On Twitter, is it uh, Instagram? And on Instagram, and so, so you not only like you said started those accounts, but you maintained them. How did you, uh, how did you figure out which one to focus on, or was it all of them? How did you not drop it, but ma- basically stayed consistent and, and grow that audience? And and to frame that question maybe a little bit differently as well is, um, walk us through if you can sort of your routine because you have to do so many things with this business. You have to do the creative side of it, but then you also have to do the marketing like any business. So how do you split up your days and yeah, as Sergei said, what do you focus on?
1: so first of all in terms of instagram following why i decided to go with instagram just because we're visual mm-hmm. because i can tell you as much as i want you know how great our dancing is and i can sing it probably but you have to see it <laughs> to understand what exactly we do and i think some of our listeners right now don't really know what exactly we're doing so um google it up you're gonna see it we don't work that's what we don't do um <laughs> you dance exactly so it's it's uh, like dancing with the stars ish. Thing. Yeah, but uh, not sped up. Um, well, a little shade here. Um, so, uh, in terms of Instagram, you have to stand on. Uh, you have to post at least five to seven times a day. Oh wow! That's cool. how you grow it. In th- that was the way for program dance team to get the ten thousand followers. And uh, the other part was for me to understand that I don't really have to post me teaching and my pictures but introduce our members because we say all levels and all ages people want to see it you want to see a lady who's 60 plus years old and then you want to see a girl who's 13 years old then you want to see a guy who's 45 you know so you have to show your members and see so people can realize who are the people behind the company behind the brand in terms of my personal instagram uh First, I was posting, you know, like everybody else, food and I'm traveling here Mm -hmm. and I'm traveling there until I realized what is uh, the intention of it. So um, the intention is to build a brand. Because I have the titles, I'm the world champion, so I'm the core of the brand because that's what attracts people. Yes, we do have amazing instructors who teach for us, and hip-hop and Latin and everything. But in order to get the attention, I have to advertise myself to build my own brand within the pro Dance Team brand. So people come in and then they can see what who else is teaching there and see the value in it. Um, so it's very different sort of posts. So Paramdance team is concentrating on our members. And if you open it, you're going to see a lot of students, a lot of dance class videos. Whereas on my Instagram, it's all about me as much as I hate it. As I said, <laughs> I'm an introvert. I really hate posting videos of me talking or me dancing or me, me, me. But it has to be a part of it. So I'm just taking it for the team pretty much. <laughs> so in, um, as to how my days go by, um, we operate in seasons. So if we do have a show, let's say now we're starting the new season in Washington, D.C., we're going to have a halftime show at Wizards game on March 31st, 3 p.m., tune in. Um, So now we're starting the season. People take eight weeks to prepare, so we start with introductory classes uh, in D.C. and also in New York because we're going to have students here and there who will then meet on March 30th in Washington D.C., rehearse all together and perform all together in D.C. because it's not that far in terms of travel and our New York team is really um, they really are so motivated to perform right after NHL game no. which by the way wasn't on ice because that would have been our last show <laughs> <laughs> so we had that suggestion to put a carpet and dance on ice but since we're twisting and turning there wasn't a good idea to break legs or anything so that was on a balcony Um, but uh, now we're starting the season so first we offer introductory classes in New York and DC that means advertise excuse my French the shit out of it social media Instagram Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, not so much Twitter. As I said, the visual.
0: When you're when you're sorry to back up a little because I know people are going to be interested. You mentioned to grow your following, you had to post five to seven times a day. Did you also use hashtags and follow people so that you can get them to follow you back, or just posting good content to get followers? It's both. Okay.
1: So if you spent I know to build the ProAm Dance team Instagram, I spent about eight, seven hours a day to do that. Wow! You comment, you follow, you like, you do follow for follow, like for like, you post content, main thing is document, don't don't overthink. Because I was like downloading all kinds of apps and let's use this filter, that filter, and this filter. Who cares about the filter? Just post it if it's exciting, if it's cool, people will like it. If not, you learn from it, you uh, delete it and you move on. So just to be... Um, on top of the game and now actually yesterday instagram changed their uh algorithm so now they if you open your instagram you're going to see the newest posts only Hmm. so even if you scroll super duper down you're not going to see something i posted yesterday so that means you have to be very special and you have to think when what is the exact timing that the post will go live. You can schedule it. If it's, you know, 5 a.m., you get the most likes, schedule it, and then it's going to go live while you're, you know, snoozing. So um, the timing is important. Then the content is important and consistency. So those are the three things that, you know, are the core issues for, at least for us in an Instagram
0: how do you stick with that? I mean, seven hours a day is something huge to me. It sounds like to commit to. Did you see results fairly quickly? Um, How husts? do you have time to do anything else? <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> just to seven hours Well,
1: a day. you know, I, I get up early. I um, usually I worked out in the morning. Now I'm I join the cycling class because uh, I can feel myself and mm. flip the hair that I now have a little that
0: bit. Sounds, I wish I could feel flip. myself.
1: Well, okay. You can join. I'm going right now. Let's go. Uh,
0: (laughs) It's Sunday. I'm I'm not going to the cycling class today, but thank you for the invite. This is why you're not a world champion. champion, I'm indeed not a world champion.
1: (laughs) I actually never cycled before. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it just, it makes you butt bigger. So that's great. Mm. Um, Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Um, So workouts is important. Uh, For me, it's important. It just energizes me. cleans my head and uh, um, I just have to do it. Um, and then I started working pretty much on what's for the day, speaking of uh, how my days go by. Uh, first, uh, starting with what's uh, the most important right now. So, for instance, now we're starting with the intro sessions, um, put the events on Facebook, schedule ads, uh, track ads, AdWords, things of that nature. So, just to advertise those introductory classes. Once people showed up, you need to follow up. You need to have their emails, you need to have contacts, you need to write personal underline personal messages Mm. if you choose instagram if you choose meetup if you choose whatever you choose write a personal message and say hey sandy hey whatever um it was nice seeing you you did so well in class or you know thank you for trying your best if you know that person just started don't say they were amazing because that's a lie (laughs) don't copy paste Spend your time writing those personal messages because people will remember that. There is one rule that I follow is that um, people will forget what you made them do, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Mm. Follow up. In class, they will feel great when they exit. And then they will start thinking, oh, but now I need to invest money. Now I need to commit. Now I need to come to class. And they will have all those overthinking going on in their heads. Follow up. Be nice. Say, hey, I'm here for you. I know your struggles. Join us. I'll help you. So that's pretty much. So for now, it's all advertising. Next week, we start with intro classes. Then it will be more customer care let's say or whatever how you want to phrase it it's more following up signing people up guiding them through the program explaining what we're doing uh explaining how to sign up how to track your classes because they're buying packages and things of that nature and then um after that it's more creative so then i'm dealing more with choreographies explaining to our instructors getting their ideas what they want to do um our seasons are always dedicated to one singer. So this time is Lady Gaga. So we're having like five, six songs mixed together. And it will be the longest show. It will be five minutes. Wow. So we have to divide people in groups. Some will freeze, some will dance. So it's going to be very interesting. Plus we're starting live DJ classes in New York. Kind of like a workout to um, more cardio related, but also based on dancing. So people can learn the steps, what they can use for social dancing later but it's not going to be boring in any case. So We have lights and live DJ and all that um, because the idea is to offer to our students also a way to work out as well because when they come to choreography-based classes, it's a tough process. You're there for two hours. You need to learn... Where's your position? Um, Where are you positioned on the court? Um, Who are you standing next to? What lines to keep up to? Because people are lined up and you create some pictures in terms of choreography. Maybe I'm getting too detailed into this. But uh, also following the beat and all that stuff. So people need some sort of other class where they can let go and just dance. And that's what we added this season. That will will be new. Um, So... You're going through marketing, you're going through customer care, and then you go more into um, creative part and really training because then we cannot accept any new students. We are literally training, so you can't have walk-ins. And then also dealing with the business part of it, dealing with Washington Wizards, what do they want? And um, just to have more insight where is the locker room that we're changing into the dresses Plastic. to? Because it's gonna mm. be March thirty first. I'm gonna be warm. So you know stuff like that.
0: Now be honest. Um, yeah, you can tell me and Sarah aren't flexible. We, I can touch my toes. I'll say that, but I've never been able to do a split. Do you think we have what it takes to make it into a halftime show?
1: Come in and find out. Mm. Mm. Uh, uh, we, so- go, <laughs> we get a special <laughs> discount
0: yes if we join okay. hey you're
1: twins yeah, yeah. you know two for one we're gonna
0: yeah. we just have five okay Audience oh, that was members. very cute oh, i geez. would love to do it um i'll think about it <laughs> so so you now have um It sounds like, do you actually have operations in Miami, in D.C., uh, that there's classes constantly going on and you have people there that you're managing remotely from New York? Is that right?
1: Miami is now out of season because um, we had to switch instructors a couple of times and um, maybe it's miami related i don't know but we have to find somebody special there dc we have instructors we have classes and uh, i have to travel back and forth every couple of weeks to kind of micromanage it as well Mm -hmm. um to welcome new people so they kind of see me also at some point um and also new york is in operation we have instructors here as well so it gives me time to work on expanding to also other sports. We're thinking about NHL. NHL we already started. Um, NFL coming up, uh, March Madness, things like that. So wow. that's that's the next steps that we're going to.
0: That's crazy, um, and awesome, and exciting to hear. <laughs> and hopefully we get free tickets to some of these events. Of course. JS, just saying. Um, so actually this is a good transition to the, sort of the last segment of the show that we like to do because we call ourselves the mentors. Yeah. The mentors. There you are. Um, mm-hmm thank you we're gonna to try to have a little session here but basically talk us through what is if you could think of clearly it's a business and there's a lot of things going on and a lot of things in your head but if you could distill it into the biggest problem that you're experiencing right now with your business that you need to work through how would you explain it
1: quality control mm. so because <laughs> yeah because see we have uh and I mean, we are in creative business, right? So if you, if I hire an instructor and I say, um, you know, please teach hip hop, I'm not a hip hopper. I can't tell what what is hip and what is hop. I look like a, like a grasshopper on drugs when I do hip hop. So um, I can't do that. But and I say, bring in your creative, you know, part into it and put some choreography together. But I need to still guide. Like you need to rotate. You need to do this. You need to follow the beat. Where's the music is gonna switch? So, um, I still have to guide them, but if I'm not in that city and I didn't see the training happening, I don't know what's happening. Plus everybody has a different personality. Somebody uh, says a joke, the other one takes it the wrong way. Then you have all those tension in the team and I'm not there to solve it. Mm -hmm. And the instructors don't have the feel for it because it's not their company. They don't really feel that responsible about babysitting people. So, in that sense, uh, that is the not the issue, but that's the next step that I need to develop. So I created some manuals for instructors, what they need to follow, pretty much timelines in class. So they really don't waste time on talking or getting into issues. You have the warm-up, you have the choreography, you have the cool-down and stuff like that. So that is the next step where we're getting into.
0: That's great. So you're basically creating processes for them so that they don't have to think as much what else do you think you could do? Is there ways that you can incentivize them to do yeah. these things and care more? Or do you need somebody with like a manager basically for each of these cities? What do you think?
1: Um, the manager, yes. I have an assistant and I'm about to hire assistants in other cities just to do the administration part because uh, yes, people log in online, but you have to see if they did. So if the class happened and they didn't do it, then it takes time to follow up and ask and please and do that. So um, that's one part. Um Another thing is that uh, I I have been a student, a dance student, I have been a dance instructor and I still am. So I understand how it feels for a dance instructor to earn a little bit because um, normally, um, and you know, in New York, uh, studios charge $160, as I said, per hour for class, but they pay instructor 15 So how would you feel to do that? So... You know, you're working 10 hours a day earning $150, which doesn't make really sense. So in our case, we have, um, and it took time to come to this structure, but uh, instructors earn base plus XYZ amount of dollars per person so per from, student that they per student that in. they bring in that. and that is my strategy in terms of expansion because i'm not from washington dc or i'm not from miami or i'm not from atlanta we have a team coming up there too um so they're actually interested to bring in people who they know and earn more mm-hmm. so they can earn pretty much unlimited Amount per hour, if they really are interested into investing their time and connections into it,
0: and you don't have to advertise as much in those markets. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So I better pay my instructor than Facebook. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Well, you know, actually,
0: um, this gentleman that I that I worked for, who started uh, Venture for America, which is a national nonprofit here, he uh, his name is Andrew Yang. He had a company before that that was a um, a GMAT prep company uh-huh. uh, and they grew it to be a uh, national scale. They actually sold it to, I believe it was Kaplan or Washington Post, one of those organizations uh, a couple of years ago. So it was a very successful uh, test prep company and uh, the way that they solved a little, bit, a little bit of that quality control issue that you're talking about is actually first thing that you just mentioned, which is they paid their instructors more mm-hmm. than normally test, rep, test prep instructors would get paid. But they also made sure to instill a sense of community. You're talking about this sense of, you know, that's not my company. I probably don't care as much. And the way they did it is they would fly out once or twice a year. They would fly out all the instructors to New York City, put them up in a nice hotel, uh, have team building exercises the next day, you know, make them feel really valued. And then they're just gonna that's gonna stay for them for the next six months, for the next year, so that they actually treat it a little bit more like their own business. maybe that's something that you can try to implement in your own.
1: That's uh, actually concert. funny that you mentioned it because yesterday I went to DC and we planned for our DC instructors to come to New York for a workshop and spend two days, and I said, "Hey, stay here." I put, you know, we go out, we have dinner, you socialize with all our uh, students here because we all will be ultimately performing as a team. So it's funny that you mentioned it. We actually planned it yesterday. So. Wow. Boom! Well, you so nailed one... it. So... <laughs> You're nailing it, right? You've You're been a mentor. <laughs>
0: um, so, do you have a goal in mind of how many cities you want to expand to, or sort of sky's the limit? You'll see how it goes.
1: MBA is in 30 cities and W. NBA is in 13 and then we have NHL and then we have everything else so whatever makes sense and you can't what I learned is you can't say that oh we want to be in LA we want to be in Miami we want to be in Vegas just because it sounds cool no you end up being in Cleveland because people have nothing else to do there and they really are about the basketball and they really want to stand on that court next to LeBron James mm-hmm. yeah. So
0: you're gonna go where where the business takes you. Exactly. The and is. Exactly. And now I'm sure it's a little bit easier to call someone that works for uh, for Cleveland Cavaliers because you already have so many teams that you worked with that you have that credibility. Before it was the fact that you were a world champion, and now not only are you a world champion, but you've done this for so many teams that it's kind of a no brainer now for them.
1: Yeah, and I mean we had LA based team call us and say hey i'm sitting here watching you on television why are you not performing here <laughs> so they actually know now how to connect and linkedin helps by the way for all the entrepreneurs if you haven't built your linkedin network you have to do it because if it's the best b2b connection ever it costs a little bit too much in terms of eh, i think it's overpriced in terms of advertising but if you're looking for b2b customers linkedin is the fastest way to get there
0: be consistent with all your social channels, and they will pay off in ways that you don't even know. Yep. This has been awesome. I <laughs> learned a lot. Um, I, I I just want to dance. Let's I, go. I'm so inspired to dance right now. <laughs> no, I actually do feel like dancing. So that's what we're gonna do as we sign off here. Olga Nesterova, thanks so much for coming over. Pro Am Dance Team. Uh, sounds awesome. We might even take a few classes. You're very right invited. Yeah. We, we're pretty Let's good dancers, if I say so myself. Yeah. I, can plié. We'll I can do a plie. I can do a plie. Olga doesn't look like she believes us right nah. now. We'll uh, let
1: me get out of that split <laughs> finally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Olga. Thank you so much, guys.